0: I am being with with us the God of the universe the Lord who made the heavens I love it when I start thinking about how great he is and we've been singing there's no rival he has no equal and I also love it Did you notice that we were singing songs Blessed be the name of the Lord When the darkness creeps in On the road marked with suffering Blessed be the name of the Lord If you've lived long enough You'll have known times of suffering Don't worry if you haven't got there yet It's coming (laughs) So I'd like to talk to you today, and, uh, I, try and I need to try and be succinct, because I know I could go on, about um, a man in, who lived about two and a half thousand years ago, who's an amazing example to us, and I've entitled my subject today, Putting God First, at the beginning of this year, and I just want to give you some background after King David, if you know your, if you know your Bibles, the, the height of Israel's history was at the time of King David and Solomon. Solomon built an amazing temple, God filled the temple. But things didn't go well. After, this is about a thousand years before Christ. Things didn't go well after that. There were other future kings who did what they were not supposed to do. They intermarried with other nations, and the consequence of that was they took their idol gods as their own, and they worshipped them. And the Lord God, the Lord who made the heavens, was offended. And he said to them, and he sent prophets to them, To warn them, saying, do not do this. It won't work out well for you. If you carry on. And I'm calling you to to have a change of heart, repent. That means a change of mind. And turn back to the living God. And the interesting thing was, I think it's really interesting what Adam said. The Lord who made the stars, the Lord who made the heavens... The creator God who loves us. He said, why would you worship an idol made from hands? Often little statues made from wood or stone. How could you even compare worshipping an idol to worshipping the maker of the heavens? The Lord, creator of earth. And all that is within it. But they would not listen. There was division. If you know your history, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom comprised ten tribes of Israel. The southern kingdom that included Judea comprised the other two, Judah and Benjamin. They turned their backs on the Lord And what God said would happen, what the prophets said would happen, happened. In the the northern kingdom, the Assyrian armies came across into Israel and they took the ten tribes of the northern kingdom back out of of Israel into Assyria and and made them their slaves. Terrible. Just imagine it an occupying army coming and taking you off to a foreign land because they had removed themselves out of the protection of the Lord. They never returned. And the prophet said to the southern kingdom, if you carry on worshipping idols, by the way, I found a, um, a little description of idols. The Hebrew word for idols means Little dung balls. <laughs> and that just about sums it up. Why would you worship a little dung ball when you could worship and know the living God? Why would you do that? It's, when you think about it, it's just complete madness. And the prophet said, including Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, And others said, if you carry on worshipping these idols, an army from the north will come and invade you and take you off to their kingdom. Just as God said. Rubes, could we have. Yeah, brilliant. This map, I thought you might be interested here Babylon. Modern-day Iraq, and you see those two, I hope you can see these two rivers here. How would you put the light on on this? Top one. Can you, see those, can you see these two rivers? The river Euphrates and the river Tigris. This is desert, huge desert, but within this desert are two huge rivers, the Euphrates and the Tigris. And along those routes, those rivers became trade routes. Crops could be grown, the land was more fertile, there was water to drink, and it enabled Nebuchadnezzar and his armies to go up the Euphrates Valley and between the Tigris, coming from the north down through Lebanon. And you can see this yellow map is the area, the extent of his kingdom about 600 BC it's very far reaching and sure enough at about 605 BC Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonians invaded Israel for the first time they were to do it again over the next 20 years and they took away the children of israel only the very poorest were left ezekiel couldn't be more clearer in his prophecies to the nation that god desperately didn't want anybody to die or perish he wanted everyone to live and he was urging the people to turn to god But most of them chose otherwise. And the consequence was, a judgment came upon them because of their sin. And they were taken off into exile. And seemingly, that was the end of a 400-year dynasty of King David. So off they go into, into Babylon. And the, in the first wave, Nebuchadnezzar took, um, it took amongst them, this is, this is a quote from Daniel, he says, took young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, so they might have taken him. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Gifted in all wisdom, they definitely wouldn't have taken him possessing knowledge and quick to understand, and who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans are the same as the Babylonians. So I just want to look at one man, four, but one man in particular. There's a man called Daniel, who was amongst this first wave of young men that was taken from Israel. Israel back from Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem to Babylon. He was one of the lucky ones. As Ezekiel prophesied, most people would have died from pestilence, famine, or the sword. The final siege of Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar besieged the city for two years. So everybody was inside. Many died of famine, They died of disease and if you got outside the city walls, you died by the sword. He was a barbaric man. He left in place regents who were supposedly kings of Israel, the last of whom was Zedekiah. He tried to escape and they caught up with him. He made him watch him put his two sons to death and then gouged out his eyes. Not a nice man. Before taking him back to Babylon. And he took these people back that had wisdom and knowledge. Because he wanted to employ them in administration and government. And to set other craftsmen, people that were skilled at making this great city of, of Babylon. So, so here's David, uh, Daniel. Daniel. And right from the off, Daniel distinguished himself. He wouldn't eat the king's delicacies because it might make him richly unclean. And you, you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that Nebuchadnezzar erected this great uh, statue and he sent out a decree. This was, this was the center, the entire known world of this time. He sent out a decree that anybody that doesn't bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar, he set himself up as a god, you'll be thrown into the fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel wasn't there at that time, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, O king, we will not bow down and worship you. Our God is well able to save us, the great I am. He's well able, Yahweh. But even if not, but even if not, we will not bow down to your statue. Mm. And you know the story that they were throwing in there and they made it seven times hotter. And one like the Son of Man may have been an angel, quite conceivably, could have been the Lord Jesus himself walking with him rescued them, brought them out of the fire. And the consequence of that was that Nebuchadnezzar issued decrees that everybody should worship the living God who rescued his people. And Daniel distinguished himself. He was there 60 years or more in this land. And he worked for the kings and subsequent queens, kings. So it was Nebuchadnezzar, a guy called Belshazzar, and now we come to a king called Darius. I'm not sure whether he's one and the same as King Cyrus, but he's from the Medes and the Persians. So, and it's been there's been a bloodless coup. The people of modern day Iran have invaded the people of modern-day Iraq and taken control of this great palace at Babylon. And now Daniel is serving in the courts of Darius. And we're going to read from Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 onwards. I need to tell you that Daniel so excelled He so excelled in the king's courts that the king wanted to make him the prime minister over the whole kingdom. And the other governors were not happy about this. But they could find no fault in him. Not a blemish. By the way... um, I just wanted to say to you that we don't read anywhere of Daniel complaining to God. It's evident that the children of Israel were deported from national Israel to Babylon because of their worship of idols and other gods. That's not true of Daniel. Daniel was clearly a God-fearing young man. Because as soon as he comes to Babylon, he wouldn't defile himself with the king's delicacies. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down to another idol, the, the, the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. He might have said, God, this is not fair that you've brought me here. I've done all that you said to me. I've not wavered, I've been 100% devoted. Look how you've treated me. He doesn't do that at all. Life is not unfair to Daniel, even though he's now serving a foreign king in a foreign land. He's completely in control of himself. He's not weak. He's powerful. He's powerful because he's in control of himself. He's able to take decisions over his life about what, and put boundaries in place in that he won't serve other gods. He only serves and he's devoted to Yahweh, the great I Am. He had amazing integrity. He didn't compromise. And this is My first point, if you want to put God first in your lives, if I want to put God first in my life, our belief determines our behavior. It doesn't work the other way around. Our behavior does not determine what we believe. We act out of what we believe. Would you agree with that? So you need to know what you believe. Because when the lines are drawn in difficult places, you need to know what lines you won't cross over. You and I. When times of testing come, if we don't know what we believe, we're more likely to be compromised. I don't find any evidence of Daniel being compromised in the Bible, on the contrary. He was excellent. So, as I said to you, these governors tried to, um, uh, they wanted to to get rid of him and they thought thought that the only way that we can get rid of him is is by reference to, um, we'll find fault in him, find a conflict where His faith in God, the great I Am, will conflict with the laws of the land. So they flatter King Darius. And they go to him and they say, King Darius, all of the satraps and the governors, that's a lie. It wasn't all of them. But they say, all of us have got together and we've had a little committee meeting and we've decided that anybody who worships or bows down to anybody else other than you, king, in the next 30 days shall be thrown in the lion's den. So here's the line being drawn. And Darius thinks he's taken in by this flattery. And he thinks, this is a good idea. I like this. This elevates me to a great position. And he agrees. And so they say, you need to sign it off as a law because the law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be broken. So they have this legislature that said, if you make this a law, it absolutely must take place. So he agrees, and he signs it off. And Daniel becomes aware of this, and then we'll just read this from verse 10 of chapter 6. He says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. He's got a lifestyle where he's just devoted to the Lord. And it wasn't secret. His windows were open. And he prayed to the Lord three times every day. Then these men assembled. They found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of the lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, those nasty Israelites, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition... Three times a day, and the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he laboured till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then the men approached the king and said to the king, "Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes, <coughs> excuse me, may be changed." So the king gave the command. And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den. But the king spoke to Daniel, saying, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his laws, and put, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. So Daniel knew full well about the law. It was a line he wasn't prepared to cross over. He continued to put God first in his life. And My second point in putting God first is that it's about faith and not fear. Daniel trusted God to work it out. As he had done before and he knew he could do it again. I haven't told you about other stuff, but Daniel's now got a bank of stuff in his memory of testimonies where God has delivered his people. Where he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where he delivered him. Nebuchadnezzar was was killing off all the magicians and astrologers because they couldn't interpret his dream. And Daniel would have been killed as well, but he said... Oh, King, let me just go to my garden. I will tell you what your dream means. If you want to read about it, it's very complicated. God gave Daniel the exact dream, and then Daniel gave Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation. The great I am intervened in Daniel's life and the lives of the children of Israel, as he does in our lives when we put him first. And he's got a bank of testimonies that he can draw on because he knows... Whilst I'm in this difficult situation right now, God has done it before and he will do it again. Where did we get to? So, um, verse 18. Now the king went to his place and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. It's amazing. When you put God first, those that don't know God get to recognize that there is a living God. Not a little dung ball an idol, but the living God, one who made the heavens. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? I love this. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. There were no words of bitterness or revenge about Darius throwing him in the prison. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. That is a powerful thing. When we think about an intervening God doing powerful things, shutting the mouths of lions is a powerful thing. He's done it before. He'll do it again. My God sent his angels, shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. The king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. And no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. My third point to you is that Daniel's life manifests a life of service where his honor of the king and and subsequent kings was not dependent upon the way that they treated him. They didn't earn his honor. Honor was given to him because that was who Daniel was, one one of the children of God, who honored Nebuchadnezzar. Who honoured Belshazzar? Who honoured Darius? Who honoured Cyrus? And gave them great honour, irrespective of how they treated him or his people. Just, I just want to pause there for a moment to bring it into the, the modern day. You might find yourself, if you're a public servant working in the government you might find yourself in difficult situations and Daniel if he sets the example and there are plenty like him in the Bible lots of them, have a look at Joseph, he made Pharaoh look like a genius setting up seven years of keeping grain for for the great famine that was to come, Esther Nehemiah Daniel if you want a New Testament example the greatest of all is Jesus who honours people comes and rescues them he's prepared to die for them to make them his friends lifts us up out of the miry clay places our feet upon a rock gives us a name and a status And if it wasn't enough to save us from our sins, he says, come and work with me. Come and partner with me. Come and enjoy this great journey that we're on together to bring the kingdom of God into the world. And Daniel manifested that. And Jesus calls us to do likewise. Love this. I just love this scripture. Just put your hand on your heart, if you wouldn't mind. Say after me, Lord, open my heart. Lord, open my heart. Speak to me, Speak to me. Through, this through this scripture. This is from Luke six, Jesus is speaking. He says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. That word bless comes from the, word, the Greek word eulogeo. From that word we get the words like eulogy, eulogize. This is not a passive, oh bless you, bless you. This is an intentional eulogy of speaking blessings and goodness Irrespective of of however people treat you. Your place of work. At home. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Had... You know, families get stuff in their lives. If you belong to a family, you'll know that the stuff goes on in your family from time to time. I love my family. I love them. I'm for them. If you don't know me, it's my second marriage, and um, my wife has four sons, from her previous marriage and I have two and it's not been easy bringing together our families we had a moment before Christmas a family issue where one of the sons who's been living with us who I love dearly he's a lovely man lovely man he um, he had a meltdown and uh, He said things very angrily and heatedly to his mom. He said, I'm not welcome here. You've made it very obvious, I'm not welcome. It was quite a blue atmosphere, lots of language. Angry, very angry. I thought, "That's not true. Interestingly, I was completely at peace. If, you'd have, if the same thing had happened five years ago, I would have found it very hostile and intimidating. So I went to him, and it continued. His eyes are bulging, and he's in my face telling me how bad I am. And uh, it was unpleasant. It was very, very hostile, and uh, I thought he was likely to hit me, but he didn't. He... anyway. So it was. An, you can imagine it was an emotional time, and he went off in a rage. And we sat down, said to Kim, "Let's pray. Will we just bring this situation to you?" ask you to intervene. Just release your blessing over this lad. Release your blessing, Father. Be on him, heal his wounds. Release your goodness over him. He came back about two hours later and we were looking at something. We carried on because we didn't know what, quite know how it was going to work out. He said, can I talk? So I said, yeah, you can. He said, I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. I said to him, can I say something to you? I said, I said to you before and I'm saying to you again now, nothing that you say or do is going to stop me loving you. Tears started to come down his cheek. I said, Can I give you a hug? His mum hugged him. There were tears. Not advocating that I want that event every day of the week, <laughs> but things happen in our lives. Right now, stuff going on in the Trump administration. I'm fed up of hearing about Trump. But you know what? If we're a Christian, if I was a Christian working in his administration, I think Daniel sets the standard for us. Make this man as good as he possibly can look. Do all that you can to represent Jesus in his kingdom, in his place. I'll we'll bring it closer to home. If you're at schools, I realise schools can be difficult places. Politically correct, incorrect. What do you believe? Are there any areas that you need to, to draw a line that I'm not stepping over? Because what we believe affects how we behave. Luke says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If there is good inside the heart, good will come out. If there is evil, evil will come out. And see the outcome of Daniel. Verse 24. The king gave the command." And they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. God is able to take care of those that would want to cause any harm. He's well able. And moreover, look at the glory that came to the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. King Darius wrote a decree to all peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And I want to say to you as we put God first He will accomplish great things through you. Even this year, powerful things. You might find yourself at the front of some super rocket. Legislation was written that affected the nations because of Daniel. You might have policies in your school that are rewritten because of a stand that you've taken over something. Amen? We're going to to break bread. And in doing that, can I suggest that we reflectively choose this year to put God first. It's, It's a choice. We make a choice from this day. Lord, I'm putting you first. I'm putting you first in my home, in my place of work. Amen. Let's break bread. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. He said, Take, eat. This is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, afterwards, he took the cup and he said, drink this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus sets the standard. That passage in Luke 6 says, in so much as we do these things, we become sons of the living God, sons and daughters. In other words, We become like him. And he does this because he's kind and merciful to the whole world, not just a few. We have the opportunity to show the love and the mercy of God in every area where our lives impact. So come, take some bread with you back to your places and these little cups, and then we'll regather at the end.